Welcome to Sage Up, a podcast about anything and everything that involves all of us on some level to better ourselves, our community, our society, humanity as a whole, by making the most impeccable choices as decent human beings. Higher vibrations and scientific data work together to make this podcast happen. I'm your host, Elle. We have a lot to talk about, so get comfy and enjoy this journey with me. What change happens solely from words? I mean, words can be said, but what do we do with them? Let's talk about complaining. A lot of us are really good at that, some more than others. I mean, I complain. We all do, you know, uh, and it's okay to do things like, you know, vent and get things off your chest. That's normal. That's good. That's healthy. It's important to be able to, you know, talk things out when things bother you. But let's talk about just complaining for a moment. Take notice in your personal life or just in general, otherwise. What do you complain about? Is it a certain thing over and over again, or do you complain about a lot of things? And if so, like maybe think about what those things are, or is it just very general? Do you complain about everything? And then ask yourself, how often are you complaining about this thing or these things? And then ask yourself, what are you doing about it? Well, hopefully you know that you can't sit around and expect situations or people to change. Example, I've had my experiences in life where I gave the benefit of the doubt for people. I put my faith and hope in people to change, but they didn't. And there was a situation where I had to tell somebody in my life about somebody else. And basically I said, if the circumstances don't change, they won't change. And that can be very tough for some people. In order for us to change, we have to change our circumstances. So we may think that there needs to be change and we know that there needs to be change, whether it be within ourselves or others around us. But we have to recognize that if the circumstances stay the same, we become complacent or the other people, I should say, too, become complacent. And so, of course, if circumstances don't change, there won't be any change. <laughs> people won't change. So in your personal life, do you, are you content just complaining or would you rather find a way to properly communicate with the appropriate, you know, people in your life that you need to communicate with or communicate with yourself and take that action to make a change? And a lot of times that does mean that you are going to have to change circumstances and that can be scary. And that's why a lot of people just stay complacent with their stances and views but what can happen is that it can hurt us. It can hurt other people. Um, on the grander scheme of things, it could make you become closed-minded. Um, it can create uh, division. Uh, kind of get a us versus me or a, a us or me versus them kind of an attitude. 
and it can be harder to see other perspectives. And again, it can be destructive either for yourself or for other people, and it creates inaction. Now let's dig a little bit deeper and talk about something that gets us to complain and to take action or inaction. And that would be our thoughts. Our thoughts are very powerful. The mind wires itself by thoughts that we feed it. Now, thoughts are external, and I'm not going to focus too much on that aspect right now. I will later down the road. But our, our mind is so powerful that if we start to program it with a certain train of thought, it's just going to be a natural mechanism to have that train of thought. And it'll be hard to break away from that train of thought. So our thoughts do turn into words, and those words can turn into action. So again, it's very powerful and they're all linked together. So these thoughts become ingrained. We train our brains, we program our brains to think a certain way about a certain issue, a certain person, a certain group of people. And so of course it's become, it'll become easier to think that way and not choose to think in any other way, allowing any other perspectives to come in. So it takes hard work to change. And again, it's easy to just be lazy about it. We don't want to do it for one reason or another, or we may not even see the need to change. And this is what is happening in the society of the United States right now. So again, on a broader scale, societal and other issues, the government, leaders, Right now, we have this battle of Republicans versus Democrats, conservatives versus liberals. I'm going to talk about labels later and how that is hurting us and dividing us. But right now, I want to focus on words and actions. So I want to take two different situations that we are, um, that have a lot of attention right now in our country and break those up a little bit and talk about the words and actions used in these different situations. So we have Black Lives Matter, and then we have the Proud Boys, QAnon, leading to the January 6th U.S. Capitol insurrection. Now, Black Lives Matter is a movement and keep in mind that blacklivesmatter.com is not the same as blm.org this is where a lot of people thought that uh, BLM was fraudulent. Uh, BLM.org was fraudulent, taken down. Uh, but BlackLivesMatter.com is the uh, is the actual website and the actual movement. I always have to clarify little bits and pieces here when I'm talking about controversial things like this. But Anyway, so Black Lives Matter is a movement. So movements involve rallies, marches, protests, but a, a true movement actually has stuff happening behind the scenes, and this is what makes it a movement. So the behind the scenes work that's happening are legislative communications, advocacy, petitions, diplomatic meetings with government officials and police departments for reform action and to bring change for the whole. Now, Black Lives Matter is a decades 
later offshoot of the anti-segregation movements. Uh, we know Rosa Parks, MLK Jr., Malcolm X. We see their actions in action now. We do not have segregation. However, we still have racial disparities, racial inequalities, and racial injustice. We have higher number of Black people uh, having forceful tactics being taken upon them uh, by law enforcement, uh, deaths by police, even incarceration disparities with most crimes in the Black community being nonviolent, such as drug possession and so on. So Black Lives Matter, it's been around since 2013. And the bottom line is that they're just wanting law enforcement reform to tend to mental health and drug issues appropriately instead of just a um, cookie cutter way of handling every little incident. And they want to be able to curb racial profiling. They also want other sectors to have more balance, such as with housing and jobs and wages, so on and so forth. So there are a lot of disparities amongst the Black community uh, versus other communities. And this is why they are doing what they're doing. Um, but the killing of unarmed and innocent Black people has spurred the movement. And there's a lot of anger and a lot of emotion behind the movement. And we see that. And so, of course, now Black Lives Matter has stigmas, not only a stigma of them being fraudulent, which is not true. I just clarified that a minute ago. But it's based on the name of a movement that some don't quite understand what it means. So Black Lives Matter. A lot of people don't quite understand what that means. And so the argument is all lives matter or blue lives matter. Um, and also that there has been destruction that has taken place. Uh, those looting and rioting were not a part of Black Lives Matter. And I'll elaborate more on that later. But what's happened is that the media is portraying this, this frustration and the emotions and the anger uh, with people um, in the Black community who are just outraged on the in inequality <clears throat> and injustice that's happening with the Black community. And it's being carried over to these visions of looting and rioting. And it's easy for us to attach that emotion and that anger to the rioting and looting because obviously these people are, you know, distraught about something. And so that's why they are uh, looting and, and, and destroying things. So, of course, it's easy for us to connect those. However, we have to understand and distinguish what Black Lives Matter really is doing and when they're doing it, which is during the day, which is peaceful. And a lot of it is behind the scenes that we don't see, which is diplomatic and legislative work. So there's that unfortunate stigma uh, that they have as well. Um, now, we also have... Um, not, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand the Black Lives Matter movement at first, but then I chose to read into it. I actually did go to a few marches and rallies to see for myself. 
And that's where I gain my support. That's where they gain my support because of my curiosity and desire to understand. I allowed myself to open up to that experience and understand it more before I had any more judgment um, about it in any way. Um, and so that helped me be able to see what they were trying to do. And it's pretty amazing and it's pretty powerful. So understand that with movements, there will be marches, rallies, and protests. And that is meant to bring awareness to said issue, whether it be social, environmental, governmental, etc. But true movements focus on the common good to help with equality or justice or well-being of others, not just for those involved. Plus, there is going to be legislative work and advocacy actions to bring that change based on the action or behavior that they're observing, not words said. So basically, if they notice that, um, you know, species are being endangered, our environment is being, um, you know, contaminated, that Black people are getting um, shot and killed, um, you know, without any justification, you know, there's going to be an upheaval and there's going to be um, emotion and anger. Um, and we're going to see that and the media is going to cover that. But what the media is not covering is what's happening behind the scenes to actually bring the change. Well, with the stigmas that have been placed on Black Lives Matter, it's kind of muddled a lot of the, um, the change that they're seeking and it's making things worse. And it's unfortunate. Um, and so it would be helpful for it would be helpful for more clarification when it comes to Black Lives Matter and have people outside of the movement choose, like I did, to choose to learn about it more and to understand it and to get answers about it first, ask questions before drawing conclusions, before drawing, um, coming to assumptions about the movement or the people involved. Movements can lose focus. They can become out of touch with their message, such as if you remember the Occupy movement, I was actually involved in the Occupy movement. And early on, it was beautiful. It was uniting. It was powerful. It had direction. We were focusing on, on the one percent in in the the you know wealth gap and and um, inequalities when it came to that. But eventually, it started to lose focus. Eventually, they were just occupying and destroying and becoming destructive, and you know then they wanted to protest this or that. And it just, it really did lose its traction, lost its focus and eventually dwindled out. It was a great movement. It had a great message, but it lost focus. So movements have great purpose. It's hard for them, especially if they grow really big to keep them in focus. Then we have events and rallies such as Stop the Steal, um, which is not a movement. Uh, it was based on false claims that have not been proven. And of course, we have to, I'm going to talk about democracy here in a minute to clarify this. Um, it became, it, it started all with the Stop the Count and Keep Counting 
um, you know, protests at voting centers, depending on the location. And what led to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was actually done by words. The direction of certain people, leaders, and groups in speeches and in social media platforms. They were organized like a protest movement. This January 6th riot was organized like a protest movement, but it did not have a legitimate direction or goal. It aimed to only destruct, to harm, to interrupt democracy. And it was by a rather small group of people compared to movements such as Black Lives Matter. Obviously, violence and destruction are not actions to bring positive change, no matter what the group or situation. Destruction will bring attention, negative attention. Remember that saying, that psychological mindset, negative attention is better than no attention at all. That's kind of like a, a child's um, uh, psychological uh, behavior. Um, but it, it, again, there is nothing to claim that things leading up to the January 6th attack, the stop the steal, the protesting of stopping the counting or keep counting with ballots um, were not legislative action. They were not diplomatic action. They were, they were to disrupt. They were obviously to incite um, destruction and even violence. Um, and this, again, is the difference between Black Lives Matter and the January 6th attack. However, we also have to talk about the words being used. Now, again, marches and rallies bring awareness and they're peaceful and they're protected by the First Amendment, but violence and destruction are not. Freedom of speech in the Constitution does not protect incitement of harm and violence, and the preamble itself speaks against hate. So storming the U.S. Capitol goes against the very thing these people were saying they wanted to protect. This action will never be forgotten, and it's easier to remember actions over words. But words can orchestrate action, as we saw that day. And it can be done either directly or indirectly. Media and social media uses certain words to bring out emotions in us. So headline titles, especially. So it's easy for us to judge or take sides or to bring out or heighten our biases. Speeches can do the same thing. It's a psychological tactic. They can use certain words and phrases that have been heard before. So it's easy for us to put into a context to give a message to act upon. So Black Lives Matter and groups directing the January 6th riot have used words that can mislead and cause people to take destructive or ineffective actions, such as breaking windows, looting, burning down buildings, and rushing into a government building and threatening and even taking lives. And they did it based on words. So words are powerful. Action is more powerful.
So again, I do want to clarify that when I'm talking to you, when I'm talking about this, I want to make sure that I'm looking at all sides. And I'm going, I can see the error in all sides. I'm not taking one side or the other. Again, if you haven't listened to my previous episode about taking sides and judgment and anger, I highly recommend it because it leads into what I'm talking about today. So I want to be as unbiased as possible and to look at the different perspectives and understand these different perspectives and the errors that are made. And the errors that are made both with a lot of movements and then, of course, with these groups uh, inciting destruction and, you know, taking over the U.S. Capitol and spreading conspiracy theories are all done by certain words. And again, words, certain words can bring out certain emotions and can incite action and it can be negative action. So we need to be very, very mindful of that and very careful of that. So the people who are really fighting for something legitimate need to be very cautious of what they say. And I remember hearing this argument a lot of being um, a, a word Nazi, so to speak, because of how things are worded. But it's true because words can affect emotions and can affect action. And that's a basic psychological understanding. So we need to understand what it is when somebody says fight, bring down, burn down, defund, stop counting, you know, storm. We need to understand truly what those mean and are they going to be helpful if we act upon them. So word choice is important. And words are powerful, but actions are more powerful. So the cause focused on for these things, again, do they have legitimate proven grounds to advocate against? We need to question ourselves on this. Is the majority of society seeing it and on, are on board? What are the risks involved in taking action? And how can you make sure your words lead to positive action and not negative or destructive action. So going back to your personal life, are you unhappy? Are you complaining? What are you doing about it? Are you complacent or are you afraid to say something or do something? We all know what the right thing is to do in a situation and we're all typically just afraid because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or show any form of betrayal or breaking of loyalty. That's true. But we know it's not right to stay in that circumstance and let it keep happening. Appropriate action needs to happen as hard as it may seem. And trust me, I've had to pull the plug several times in my life. And while it sucked, I knew it was the right thing to do. So remember too, the same thing applies on a grander scale in your community, in society, in your country, in humanity, because you're a decent human being, or at least you want to be. 
And if you aren't happy with what's happening around you, ask yourself these questions. One, why am I unhappy? Why does it bother me so much? Two, is it a legitimate or a perceived concern? And what I mean by that is the legitimate concern, it's proven. Perceived, it's not proven. Three, do I have all of the evidence or answers needed in order to feel the way I do and act upon it? If not, do more research. Ask questions first before coming to conclusions and making assumptions and uh, acting upon it. And then, of course, four, what can you do about it? What action can you take to bring positive change? Again, assess the benefits versus risks. And again, we cannot sit and wait around for others to take action or expect the change to happen by others or for others to change. There shouldn't be sides here and there shouldn't be complacency. We couldn't, we can't sit here and think that we are perfect, that we are innocent, that we have nothing to work on, that we don't have change to do, that it's them. They have to do the change. No, it doesn't work that way. It, all of us need to be able to bring change in order to see change. That's the bottom line. So again, we cannot sit here and expect that we are perfect, that we are not doing anything wrong. It doesn't work that way. We are all a part of this change. And so we need to all learn to be decent human beings in order to bring this change. Well, in the U.S., over the past decade, we have all grown a bit frustrated with aspects of our voting system. We can all agree to that, no matter where our political support lies, whether it be the Electoral College, unfair districting, gerrymandering, campaign funding, negative campaigning, even just ending up with leaders that are unfit, unqualified, corrupt, or that we just don't like. I'm going to talk about political and policy and issue biases another time. However, we can't just sit and complain about this and expect things to change and get better, especially if we are not voting. Yes, voting matters and your vote does count. And of course, I used to be a person who believed that it didn't count, that it didn't matter. But then I started to not like what was happening in my country. And I realized that I needed to do some footwork here. I self-educated. I researched. I learned. And the knowledge that I gained from understanding our voting system and elections and politics has empowered me to not only take action and using my voice in my vote, both nationally and locally, but to find a new system that is actually emerging and gaining traction in our country at this very moment that can actually help solve many of the issues with elections as we speak. And that is called ranked choice voting. And again, if you have any frustration with our voting system, with our elections, please look into ranked choice voting. 
You can visit fairvote.org. The link is in my link tree. And look up ranked choice voting and you can learn all about it. You can read articles about it, interviews, uh, legislative measures, and uh, watch videos, which are very helpful, especially if you're visual. And then you can even find the, um, the organizations in your state to find out what advocacy is happening and legislative work is happening in your state regarding ranked choice voting. To give you a broader idea of ranked choice voting, uh, it will bring more fair uh, representation and less negative campaigning and get rid of uh, unfair redistricting and gerrymandering. And I mean, there's so much to it. It's absolutely amazing. And there are many countries out there who use a form of ranked choice voting and they look to us going, why aren't you guys doing this yet? <laughs> and to realize how far we already are with it, the state of Maine had already been using it for local ele elections since I think 2016. And just in 2020, they saw how well it was working in their local elections that they decided to implement it for their state elections for um, the primary and general elections for the presidential race. There are uh, several cities, a good amount of cities who in 2020 hopped on board for uh, using ranked choice voting in their local elections. And I think Alaska recently passed um, to use ranked choice voting. We are gaining traction and you'd be amazed to find out the legislative actions that are happening uh, right now with this. So if you want more information, go to fairvote.org. You can also go to um, get involved and you can attend a 101 training, which would um, basically you would attend virtually and uh, hear people speak about what ranked choice voting is and um, and ask questions. And typically these 101s you would be attending per your uh, local area and your jurisdiction. So again, you can go to fairvote.org and find out your state's um, organization that is advocating for this. So if you really want to see change, please look up fairvote.org, check out ranked choice voting, and vote. And not just in the next four years when the next presidential election comes, but vote in every election that comes your way. And if you're not registered to vote, please vote. If you want any more information regarding elections and voting, it's an easy search. You can um, look up uh, in the you know U.S. elections and learn all about it. But ranked choice voting does a great way of explaining what we have now versus what we could have with ranked choice voting. So thank you again for tuning in and I will talk to you next week.